Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. guest is the author of the new book breadcrumb breadcrumb legacy how great leaders live a life worth remembering just published by routledge based on in-depth interviews with the leaders in business and non-business areas her book serves as a guide to leaving a trail of meaning throughout your life and career it's inspirational and practical stories highlight how to live a life worth remembering and reviewers and remembering reviewers so far have have applauded it uh, style and insightfulness and re- great revelation. So without further ado, let's welcome Jan Freed to the show. Welcome, Jan. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to have you here. I know we connected, I think it was a couple months ago on uh, through Podmatch and uh, it, through scheduling. This is uh, the best time for both of us right now. So it's awesome to have you here. And I know uh, we're competing with a lot of uh, sports right now. With the That's true. Madness. We've got NASCAR. we got everything happening right now tonight for some reason. It's like a perfect storm. But we're here tonight. And uh, the, the listeners on About Face Radio are here listening. So welcome, Jan. And uh, I'm glad to have you here. Thank you very much. Uh, if you don't mind, I just gave basically two sentences about you there. If you want to go back as far as you want to how you got to writing this book and where we are today, that'd be great. Okay. Well, my first career, I taught at a small liberal arts college. I'm in Iowa, and I taught business management and leadership. And um, 
I started a research project and uh, fast forward, it, it turned into a book in 2013 called Leading with Wisdom, Sage Advice from 100 Experts. And I interviewed some of the top thought leaders in the field of leadership. And one of the chapters that resonated the most uh, in each chapter was a theme that emerged out of the research was the chapter on leaders live their legacy. So then I did a very deep dive into legacy work. And out of that came this book called Breadcrumb Legacy. And I'll explain that in a minute. But um, I did want to say that I've, I've done two TEDx talks, each on a chapter of the book. Wow. And uh, one is called Embracing Death, Seeing Life Through a Different Lens. And the other one is called Becoming a Nobody. But, uh, you know, just a little. So now I do leadership development work. I do coaching, consulting, speaking. But I'll just define breadcrumb legacy. So when I was doing workshops, I'd say, well, when do leaders leave, live? When do leaders leave their legacy? And people would say, well, when they leave, leave a job, leave a career, when they retire, when they leave the earth, when they die. And I'd say, that's true. But what about when we leave this conversation? I leave this workshop. Um, so really, we're all leaving our legacy in bite-sized pieces all the time. And that's where I get kind of the theme. So... That's awesome. And I, I think it's a great title. And having led in the, in the military for most of my career, 20 of 22 years in the military, I was in a leadership role. of some oh, sort. Wow. It was always a goal to make those who I was leading better than me. So my legacy would be them leading the army of the future. And that's what I can look back now as a, I'm the old guy now that's retired from the military. I can look back and see them now leading and doing the same thing, bringing up that next generation. So leading those breadcrumbs and, Making yes. them become the next leaders of our military and of our society, basically. Yes, that's true. Yes. So I, I love the I love the whole aspect of this book. So one of the things that I say is, you know, people will say, well, you know, how do we use the concepts in this book? And I say, well, first of all, if you think about the difference, you know, sometimes people, the word legacy kind of throws people off because they think, well, it's for the rich and famous. It's for people you know, who are much more important than I am, you know, um, and really it's for everybody. And, and so I say, well, substitute the word impact. What kind of impact do you want to make or leave on others? Or what, or how do you want to be remembered and be thinking about it that way? Definitely. And I, I like that you brought up that people think that legacies are only for the rich because that is a, I guess that's a stereotype that people will put on that because if I have a legacy, I must have had wealth or had this. Right. Or I must have been important or I was a celebrity or I right. left my name on a building or yes. No, it's really. We, in fact, one quote that I love a lot is from Jane Goodall, the anthropologist. She says, we're all making a difference. What kind of difference do you want to make? Definitely. And I uh, uh, Miss Goodall there is great. Uh, I was uh, stationed in Kansas for a while, and she did a lot of work out there at the, the Manhattan Zoo there, a very small zoo out yes. there, a little apple. She loved it there, and uh, she took care of the, the uh, chimpanzees there. Uh -huh. So everyone out there knew about her. Kansas State University, of course, knew about her. So, and my wife went there at the time, so she was she. Oh, every time she knew she was coming to town, we had to try to find a way to get there while yeah. I was stationed there. So it was awesome. 
So she left those little those little nuggets around too, that's without true. even without trying to put anything on herself. She was trying to help others the whole time, and that's mm -hmm. that's worth living. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I think you captured that in this book, and uh, I like that you went with business people and non-business people. Uh, you said you taught a, a small liberal arts college in Iowa. My first college in the army was Upper Iowa University, oh. so that's, that's where I started started yeah, my I know, journey. I know Upper Iowa very well. Yes. I started with them doing management and um, I stayed with them until I think I'm one class away from getting my uh, bachelor's with them. Then I switched and uh, took emergency management as my degree for. Yeah. Well, I'm in Iowa. Rich, where are you located? Uh, right now I'm in Tennessee, just outside Tennessee. Nashville. Okay. All right. Very good. Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a different world here. So <laughs> it's a little warmer here, I guess, than Iowa probably. I'm sure you guys still have a little winter coming through. Well, uh, we when I think of ten uh, Nashville, I think of a lot of celebrities. Yes, you know, and definitely the music scene. I've been to the Bluebird a couple times. Okay, nice. <laughs> but it was quite, it, when I was at the Bluebird, it was before the TV show Nashville. Right. And now I've heard that you can barely get in there, that you have to book way in advance. And uh, I mean, the first time I was there, I just walked in. So things have changed. Yeah, you definitely can't do that now. It's like the show really blew it up and blew up Nashville as a whole, really. Yep, that's what I heard. Uh, can't, we don't go down there often unless a family comes and wants to see it. Then we take them down there as like we're tour guides, taking them to Nashville and right. having a good time. Then we, we jump out as quick as possible. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. But that's just like anywhere. Anyone that lives close to a uh, tourist area, you don't want to be in the area that often. You're proud to say you're from there, but you don't want to be part of it right. because of so many people coming in. Right. That's true. That's very true. Uh, speaking of legacies and the rich, uh, Keith Urban, a uh, world famous country singer, uh -huh. he, he will sit outside. He is sitting outside of Bridgestone Arena dressed as just a, a bum, really, with a overcoat on, his face all dirty, and strum his guitar with his car, guitar case in front of him. And people will come give him money all day long, and he'll donate that money to a charity. And the people don't know it's him? They have no idea it's him. Is that right? That's yeah, good. So that's interesting. That's, that's part of his legacy down there. And uh, his uh -huh. last concert down there, he he walked into every one of the honky tonks until he found a, a group that he wanted. And he said, "Hey, what are you doing at a well, I guess seven o'clock to be his opening act?" And they said, "Oh, we're we're getting off here at six. Okay, you're going to open up for me tonight." What? Uh, so he just gave them a career jump just by walking. Wow, into that's nice. That's really nice. And that's how he leaves his. He's that's leaving his true. legacy. That's true. And, Every you can do it in many different ways. And what ways have you during your interviews? What ways that stuck out to you the most of people who were uh, ultra uh, successful in business, and then those people ultra successful not in business? Yeah. Well, I think the key, um, Rich. I think the key words that I like to use are intentional and conscious. Conscious that you're you're really thinking about the difference that you're making. You you think about the words you use. You think about your interactions. Every conversation, I mean, every every chance is an opportunity to make a positive difference or a negative one. And that doesn't mean you agree with everyone. It doesn't mean you have to love everyone. But, you know, I think respect, you know, what can how can you communicate in a way that's respectful? Um, if you have disagreements, how can you work those out? You know, I just think it's a matter of, um, you know, being a very being very aware of of the impact that you're having, because it doesn't necessarily, it's not automatically going to be a positive impact. You have right. to think about it. And um, 
So in the book, I talk about, you know, controlling the ego. I talk about embracing death. I talk about uh, continually cultivating relationships and uh, sustaining those relationships and how all of that makes us better people in the end. Definitely. And I know when I first went in the military, I didn't know what being a leader really was. And I had to learn on the fly, really, from those around me, those who were leading me. So when I became an NCO, a sergeant, I wasn't the best leader my first couple of years as a leader, but I was learning and I was trying to evolve my style. And I'd pick up what people were putting in front of me. At first, I wouldn't pick it up. No, it's my way or the highway. It's what I do. And this this is the only way you should lead. But then I took a step back and looked at myself from outside and was able to say, I need to evolve to evolve with the people that are coming. People coming in the military are changing every day. There's different different generations coming in. You have to be able to lead all of them. Yeah. So I, I learned as I grew as a leader in the military how to evolve to situations, how to be the best I could be for everyone and to try to treat them all the same while also treating them differently to fit their needs. And I know in the business world and the leadership roles that you've been in, you probably had to do the same thing. What were what lessons did you learn as you grew as a leader when you were coming up throughout your life as a leader? Yeah. Well, first of all, lead, you know, the leadership, it, it is a journey. You know, you never really arrive. Right. You're all, you know, we're all evolving. Okay. And I say the most important person to lead is yourself. So that self-leadership, I think, is really important. Um, and I think you know, we make mistakes. No one's perfect. And so I think in learning how to, you know, admit those mistakes, um, I think asking questions to get people thinking about, so rather than, you know, telling someone what to do or how to do it, but asking them, what do you think is the best way to do it? So I think, you know, again, realizing that it's a never ending journey and the most important person you can lead is yourself. So um, I'd like to know, Rich, um, where did you, how did you come up with the title of The Misfit Nation? Awesome. Uh, great question. Uh, in 2010, I came uh, from Korea to Fort Campbell and uh, my unit was already in Afghanistan. So I did a quick train up here and left within 60 days and got to Afga- Kandahar, Afghanistan and left, uh, linked in with my unit. And I was just like this, the odd guy out there. I was the odd senior NCO there. And I was just like being given odd jobs. Uh, hey, look at the security, do this. And my first sergeant took me around. He introduced me to some young soldiers. I said, hey, how you doing? Good. You guys are pretty dirty. What are you doing? Uh, they're building towers. I said, awesome. You guys are doing great work. And then he said, this is going to be your platoon. I said, okay. And the, all these soldiers came from different units. So there were people that were handpicked from other units to give up to this platoon to be the personal security of the the quick reaction force and the security detachment for this whole fob. And we called ourselves the Misfits because it was like the island of misfit toys. Oh, okay. so came from all different places, people that no one really wanted. They don't know, didn't know what to do. So we all wound up in the island of misfit toys. And so in uh, 2010, we labeled ourselves the Misfits and we kind of stayed, we stayed in touch, definitely stayed in touch since then. We uh, had a pretty tough de- deployment 2010-11. I retired 2015 when I started this in 2020. I reached out to them and said, is it all right if I use Misfit as part of the name? And they said, yes, do it. So I made the Misfit Nation. That's what we that's all right. Very nice. Very nice. So one big happy family. And uh, we're spread throughout this couple of while now, but throughout the world. So it's mm-hmm. awesome. Great. 
Good. That's part of the, the legacy of the Misfit Nation. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And hopefully, uh, they all, I mean, they're all doing great things in their communities and for themselves and for their families now. And a couple are still leading in the military, which makes me happy every time I see them post something or I see them do something. It, it just, I said that I've done, I did something right because they're still doing something right. So it's Yeah, good. very good. Do people call in on this show, Rich? I didn't sometimes, know. They do sometimes, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. It's Sunday right now, like we said earlier, with all the sports going on. It's going That's to be hard right. Yeah. It'd be fun to have some people call in. I would yeah. love that. And I have it set up for it. So it's worked before. <laughs> so okay, good. Good, good. So if you're listening now, our number is 202-813-9379. And uh, we're here to talk to you. That's right. We'd love to have some, some questions called in. Definitely. And uh, what number one lesson made you a successful leader? Well, you know, I don't walk I'll around. Say, here. You know, one of the things that I say is it's very, you know, it's easier for me to write about it, talk about it, teach it, read about it than it is to do it. Leadership is tough. You know, it's tough. You know, you have to, you know, make tough decisions and learn how to communicate and interact. I mean, what I say is leadership is not a title and it's not a position. It's a relationship. So I think the key is really learning how to develop, cultivate, nurture relationships. And relationships are tough, whether they're personal or they're professional. You know, we're going to have disagreements. We're going to have conflict. We're going to, um, you know, have situations that are emotional. And right. so learning how to work through that. And no one's perfect, myself included. So that's why I think leadership coaches, I do coaching, I do speaking, I do workshops. Um, I think leadership coaches, just like any kind of like right now, we're in the middle of March Madness, right? All of these teams have coaches. All of these players have been playing since they were probably in second or third grade. Yes. But they still need a coach. Right. Yet too many people fall into leadership roles without having preparation, without having read much about it. You know, they've experienced other coaches. Uh, well, other leaders, I should say, they've experienced other leaders, but those leaders might have been good or bad. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've really experienced an effective leader. So people fall into these positions and kind of stumble around a lot. And one of the questions I like to ask in workshops is I'll say, well, how many of you have been under the influence of a bad leader and hands just shoot up? So, you know, bad leaders, people who really don't know what they're doing. Um, can create very toxic environments. And um, now one show that I do like a lot, and it's very popular, is Ted Lasso, okay? So, you know, here you take a football coach, or what was his his background? Wasn't it in American football and now he's yes. doing soccer? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, in a sense, they're kind of similar. But what I was going to say is, you know, you take a, if you took a football coach right now and said, okay, go coach this March Madness team, you know, one of the elite eight, um, I mean, they may, you know, they're going to know some things about team dynamics and all of that, but they may not really know the, the, the very particulars of the game. And, you know, that's why I think, you know, if a person is in a leadership position, getting coaching along the way can really be advantageous. Definitely. And I, and there's multiple different ways to coach, as you've seen in March Madness. Uh, yeah. Chaka Smart, uh, 
he took his team at a timeout, and the first thing he did with them is do a breathing exercise with them to calm them down. Instead of going through any plays, he stopped them, had them all sit and do breathing exercises to make them refocus on what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah. Recalibrate their mind and get them back in the game. And you never would have seen that or heard of that, say, five years ago, 10 years ago. Never, Definitely not 20 years ago. You never heard of it breathing exercise on the sideline without a chair getting thrown at somebody to right. breathe after. So yeah, I don't think Bobby Knight would have been doing that. No. <laughs> yeah. He'd be breathing after he threw the chair, but right. <laughs> yeah, right. he might've been throwing a chair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you would have never seen that. So that I, when they said he did that, so that's amazing that that's happening in the game at the peak of the game. When you, when you're down, I think they were down by five points at the time and mm-hmm. he stopped them to calm them down and did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a new wave coach right there, new age coach. Yeah, he's, he knows true. what his players needs. Yep, that's true. Like you said, having your knowing knowing your people and leading those who are around you the best way you can. That's what he did right there. Shop a smart, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Very good. So that was one thing. I, I that's the one coach that stood out to me. And then last night, uh, Kansas State when they, after they uh, they lost by three, it was a sad night here in our household because that's my wife's alma mater, Kansas State. Uh, their coach went into Florida Atlantic's uh, locker room, congratulated them, and told them, "Listen, you are the toughest team we played all year. Interesting. You're going to win this whole thing. I'm rooting for you." That's, oh, that's I, didn't, I didn't hear that. I, I did watch the game, but I didn't hear yeah. that part of it. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's a true leader. He can walk out of his own locker room, go to their locker room, do that, congratulate yeah. them, and then walk away. I mean, yeah, that's good. That's really good. I like that. I think that's something we need to hear more of because I know other coaches probably do that stuff too, but that one just that blew up because I guess yeah. I follow them, so it's all over my feed. Yeah, that's a good story. That's a good story. It definitely is. How is it how hard is it to become a better leader while you're as a part of a team or growing in an organization? Well, first of all, I think it's it's work. I mean, people need to realize, as I said before, it's a never ending, never ending journey and you have to work at it. You have to want to be a better leader. And what what I think is really important, I think people misunderstand sometimes that really it's not about the leader. It's about how well are you developing other leaders. And that's where leaders need to be coaches. Leaders need to help others learn. And uh, I often say leaders need to clear obstacles, not be the obstacle. Right. And too many, you know, if you're working under the influence of a bad leader, the leader is the obstacle. You tend to work around them, you know, and leaders should really, their job is to help you get the resources, you know, that you need to do your job. And so leadership really, I think, is misunderstood. It's not about the leader. It's about developing other leaders. And so learning how to do that. Definitely, definitely learning, learning the ways to lead and learning the ways to mold the team. Because you have, like, if you have five people, you have five different personalities. They're not going to be the same mentality. They're not going to have the same mindset. They're not going to come from the same upbringing. Right. Unless the brother and sister that somehow wound up on your team. Right. You'll have different people there the whole time. You'll have to push them, poke them, prod them to figure out what makes them tick and then make the whole team tick at the same way. That's true. That goes into what you were saying about it takes work. If you don't want to work while being a leader, you don't need to be a leader. You need to just get back and be led again. Right. I would I would totally agree, Rich. Yeah. yeah. It's just that's something I learned along the way. Uh, yeah. 
my one of my first platoon sergeants told us you either lead or you be led. That's what you do. If you're not in a leadership position, follow direction and do everything the best you can until you are in that leadership position. And then you you can uh, delegate authority and do whatever you have to do at that point to make other people become the leaders you are. Yep. Absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, a lot of uh, military veterans, when they when we hang up our boots, we kind of lose that purpose in life. You lose what you did for X amount of years. How many, if you did one tour, four years, whatever, or 22 or 30, once you turn it and take off them boots, you lose that purpose. And a lot of a lot of veterans go through a period where they don't feel like they have a purpose in anymore. And it usually takes a group of other brothers and sisters to grab you by the neck or throw punch in and tell you, Hey, look, you do have a purpose. What are you interested in? What do you want to do? Do you want to help youth be mentor youth? Do you want to coach? Do you want to do this? Do you see that on the other? I mean, I'm not, I'm talking on the military side. You can talk on the business side In the business side. I know after you're in the, the grind for so long, then you walk away from it. Do you still have to find a purpose after that? Absolutely. In fact, that's interesting you bring that up because that's actually chapter two in my book. There it is. Yes, it's chapter two. Why? What's your reason for getting up in the morning? Right. And that's the second chapter that, you know, a lot of times when people retire, you know, purpose, it's important for everybody at every age and stage. And the, the millennials are actually being called the purpose generation because they want to work for a purpose and a paycheck, not just a paycheck. So it really is important. And so much of what we do is our identity. So if we don't do it anymore, then where do we find our identity? And, you know, I often say to people, well, explore, discover, try things. Um, you know, what what gets you excited, you know? And um, so that's, yeah, that's chapter two in my book, Rich. Outstanding. So for me, I took a year completely off. Uh, and that's good. We call that a gap year. Yeah, right. take a year off and try to figure it out. Very good. It was, I Basically, I called it my decompress year and hang out with my dog year. Yeah. Until my wife got tired of me being home with the dogs <laughs> and told me to get out and find a job. And exactly 365 days from the time I retired, I got a job. So she good. was happy to see it move again. And Yeah, and what's what's your job now? Now I train soldiers. At that time, I was uh, mentoring other veterans. And okay. They went through their transition from the military back okay. to the community. Okay. Very good. Well, that's a, you know, what you're doing is a very, is very important work. Yeah. We, I have fun with my job now. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I still get to see soldiers every day and uh, good. I get to go home every night too. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. So it's very a lot of, a lot of fun to see what, where the military is going in be able to sit back and watch it and not have to be in it anymore. Right. That's good. So, I mean, it's, it gave me my purpose again and everyone's happy in this house. So it's good. And that is very important. Yeah. Very important. It went from two dogs to four. So I guess that they're happy too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I would say that if I've said anything that is of interest to your audience, uh, my website is janfreed.com, two N's and two E's. I, am all, I can also be found on LinkedIn. I am on Instagram. I'm a little late to the game, but I'm catching up. So <laughs> I do post things on Instagram. And if people go to my website that I see flashing on your screen, um, there's a 20% discount from the publisher for the book. Awesome. So it takes a little bit longer than Amazon, but um, it's, it's less expensive. 
So they can find that on my website, which is flashing on the screen, which is very nice. Awesome. I was about to ask you how do people get in contact with you, but you yeah. jumped in, so it's good. See, that's leading from the front there. It's good. Well, <laughs> uh, so reach out and uh, connect with Jan on Instagram and uh, LinkedIn. Build her Instagram up because it's hard. Yeah, for that'd us. be great. That'd be great. <laughs> I want to become an influencer. I think it's too late, but that's okay. Start dancing or singing on there. You'll get some. You get a lot of likes, I guess. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's what I need to do. Um, Just put some weird video of of a dog chasing something. People will like that, and you'll get all kinds of likes. You'll be good. <laughs> don't do anything that's worthwhile right up front. They don't want that. Okay, well that's. Uh, <laughs> I'm not following your advice, so okay. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> but Instagram is a it's a different animal. Uh, LinkedIn is great, a great place to link in and uh, meet professionals and learn about the their leadership styles and stuff like mm -hmm. that there and, and build your network there. So most people on LinkedIn have a big network and they'll, they'll more than willing to help. You just got to pretty much ask and they'll do it for, they'll be there for you. So it's awesome. It's an awesome platform. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, any tips or tricks you, you can, you can uh, provide for the audience on being a good leader or growing as a leader. Yeah. Well, I would say, um, you know, it starts with the self. So self-awareness, Really get to know yourself, get to know your strengths, try to play to your strengths, but realize that, again, it's not about you. It's about developing others. And um, I, my definition of a leader is someone who's in the position to influence the lives of others. So I use a very broad definition. If you're a parent, coach, teacher, pastor, boss, manager, you're a leader. So if you're in a position to influence the lives of others, Really take it seriously, because often how you treat others under your influence, then that they can turn around. That influences how they may treat others. So it can be like a chain reaction. You're, if you're in a position to influence the lives of others, um, take it very seriously, because people, you're a role model, and you may be modeling positive behaviors or negative behaviors. And so I think, again, going back to that, being intentional and being conscious of you know, what you're doing and aware of what you're doing um, is important. Thank you. That's awesome right there. And uh, uh, Jan, again, thank you for taking some of your Sunday evening to hang out with us tonight. Well, thank you for the invitation. And I appreciate it very much, Rich. Thank the you, best to you. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com it's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear as always, be humble stay hungry and keep hustling because we are